Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Anybody know who Willie Lynch was? Anybody? Raise your hand. He was a vicious slave owner in the West Indies. <laughs> the slave masters in the colony of Virginia were having trouble controlling their slaves, so they sent for Mr. Lynch to teach them his methods. Keep the slave physically strong, but psychologically weak and dependent on the slave master. Keep the body, take the mind. I and every other professor on this campus are here to help you to find, take back, and keep your righteous mind. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the return of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. Thank you all, truth seekers, for being out there with us this morning. I am, to a certain extent, rolling solo, dolo, but I'm looking forward. I got callers on the line for y'all getting in and getting in on this morning's discussion question. Let me let the cat out the bag, which is, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? This morning's discussion question, again, as I'm rolling solo, dolo, it's the holiday weekend, so I didn't want to obligate any of the queens. Typically, y'all know I want to have a opposing or a different view to what I'm going to be speaking about, but today I'm going to be counting on y'all to get me through this morning's discussion question. Again, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? So very interesting topic. I always Typically, this time of year, if you are a regular listener, we've always typically shown you where, in a sense, you could shop with your own, if you will. Buy Black is revolutionary is a hashtag I love to use. And so for this particular show, at this point, every year thus far, going the last three years, we have highlighted where you could shop with your own, whether that be online, whether that be in person, especially if you're in the Atlanta area. Uh, we will mention uh, uh, one particular event that, that I love to highlight and have highlighted before. I'll go ahead and say that as well, the Village Market ATL. I'll mention that later in the show. For those in Atlanta, I'll be attending that extravagant Black Excellence event here in the ATL uh, every year at this time, so I'll mention more about that later in the show. So, um, again, love to speak about that. This time of year is perfect, as we all know. Um, yesterday was Black Friday, and some of you probably chose to get out out there and, you know, spend some of your money, and some of you maybe like myself, not big into holidays in general, and then spend too much money or maybe zero uh, for those who, you know, kind of take it that way. Uh, if you are a follower of me, you might have saw my uh, video yesterday kind of talking about people who fall in both categories, and I basically said leave one another alone you know, to a certain extent. Let people be. Uh, definitely don't. Uh, one thing I don't like to see at this time of year is 
people in a sense shaming each other for whether they're shopping too much or or for those who don't like to do it, shame, you know, shaming them for not participating in the holidays, something that always happens at this time of year. And so I did a video particularly about, in a sense, that mindset to say leave that alone, let people be. You don't know people's personal situation. And when people come into, in a sense, their own level of consciousness, again, from a personal standpoint, not a huge holiday person anyway, and definitely not a fan of wasting money at this time of year going into the holidays, if you will, the season where people, it assists, uh, there's at least a, a thought that Black Friday, and again, there's, you know, I don't know if this is the real origin, but supposedly Black Friday was in a sense when all the businesses go from red to black because consumers spend so much money. Um, there's also other thoughts of where Black Friday comes from in reference to us as African Americans. Again, just throwing it out there, I don't can't uh, confirm which is the origin of Black Friday, if you will. But again, for those out there, if you're gonna spend, what we're gonna say on the Mental Dialogue Show is spend with your own. Um, as I always say, if we don't spend with our own, we're going to forever be begging, if you will. So I've been floating that up on the Mental Dialogue Facebook page as well as the, the IG page. If you're not following us there, you know, keep abreast of what we're doing throughout the week in addition to Saturday mornings uh, with our social media, if you will. So one thought that I wanted to share, and I'm going to get to share this thought, and hopefully some of y'all are listening can come in and give some thoughts on this as well. And, again, I am counting on you, the listeners. I got callers out there, so that's good to see. I'm counting on you, the listeners, to help me get through this show. Because if you, if you really are a long-time listener, y'all know I do not like doing shows solo dolo. But, again, because of the holidays and people were busy, I didn't want to obligate, uh, in a sense, one of our queens to spend two hours with me when they might want to take advantage of whether it's Black Friday shopping or spending time with family. So, in a sense, I gave, gave you know, the queens that help, usually help me out, I gave them, in a sense, the Saturday off, although I have asked, you know, that they call in briefly, if you will, again, to help with the show. But, again, thank you for the callers that are out there right now. Hopefully some of y'all will get in when we open up the phone line. So the first thought that I wanted to share in reference to this morning's discussion question, again, that question being, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? So the first thought that I wanted to share is the mindset, in my opinion, for, in a sense, why this is necessary. If you saw the promotions for this week, I kind of led the promotion, the, the write-up for the show, just mentioning the idea of this idea of campaigns throughout the African-American community about buying black, spending black. Obviously, I support that, which is why we – why we typically, again, share where you can shop black during the holiday season. So something that I am a supporter of, but the question I ask in reference to this morning's show is, in a sense, why do we see those campaigns or even why do we need those campaigns? Because comparatively, for the most part, you're not going to see a shop Hispanic shirt. You're not going to see a shop Asian shirt or a shop white shirt. And it's not to necessarily – to compare ourselves to others in that sense, but the why do we even need these campaigns? So here's my thought on why I personally think they're necessary. If you're a caller and think they're not necessary or not needed, please, we welcome all opinions, so you can give your opinion on that as well. But my thoughts behind 
in in my eyes, why this is a necessary campaign that we that we push, that we continue to push. People argue all the time about whether we do enough of it or don't, or again, maybe why it's not necessary. Some people might make that argument. But here's, in my eyes, again, we are the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, getting into the mindset for why I think these campaigns are necessary and, in my opinion, we could stand to do more of it. As I say, by black, it's revolutionary. So in my mind, the thoughts behind it, again, some of y'all know I consider myself a philosopher, and so sit back and watching the world, what I think I've come to understand, and especially when you start studying history and looking at the world from outside of the United States, as Americans, we are we are typically bad about kind of going by just what we learn about in America and make bad assumptions about the rest of the world. And so what I'll say in my observations for why I think these campaigns are necessary is based on the idea that I offer that African-Americans specifically, and whether you call yourself with that or not, either way, you know who I'm referring to, those are, or, or we'll say uh, ADOS, uh, African Descendants of Slavery, if you will, the, that particular group, again, whether you call yourself with that or not, matters not, but again, you don't understand who I'm talking about in that context, are the only people in the world in my opinion, who need these campaigns. Because if you think about around the world, for the most part, wherever you live, if you are in a, in a sense, society where there is market and markets or whether you're in a, an indigenous society, those still exist, or a quote-unquote developed society, for the most part, your market, your market is going to be locally around you. Well, for the most part, a lot parts of the most other parts of the world are a lot more homogeneous than the quote unquote melting pot of America per se. And so for the most part when you start doing mark when you start entering and getting old enough to enter into enter the market locally, for the most part, that's gonna be someone who looks like you for the most part, has often has the same culture, possibly the same ethnicity in general again or in the rest of the world. So for the most part, you grow up from day one spending with your own, and it never has to be a conscious thought. It just is very natural and very subconscious, and it is part of your culture. Well, ADOS, based on American history, we understand there is, a, as I say, a gap in our history due to the transatlantic slave trade, not a true gap, a gap in just us understanding and knowing where we came from. And so based on our unique and history and experience, the American experience, we are the only group that were separated to the extent that we did not grow up in this country, specifically our time in this country, where we would go up and go out, basically be allowed to market and shop with ourselves naturally, therefore learning it subconsciously like everyone else does. And so as we've gained our quote-unquote rights, our citizenships and things of that nature over the past 400 years, if you will, we have had to make conscious efforts to do something that everybody else by nature around the world does on their own. So that's my thoughts for why this morning's discussion is necessary. We're going to go to our first initial break, and when we come out of the break, I will start opening up the phone lines. I see Brother Pianchi out there. Uh, we will open up the phone lines. Just know that you will need to press 1 if you want to get in on this morning's discussion. Um, please tune in to 
the cut that I play after the break. It's going to be Dr. Claude Anderson, and we will absolutely peel back what he has to say in reference to this morning's discussion question again. African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation, like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Black people right now spend 95% of their money outside of their own communities. They spend 5% in their communities. In their communities, they spend 3% of that with non-black owned businesses. Black folks try to live off of 2% of their disposable income. They keep 2% every year. Then they take that 2% and put it into a saving account, a bank, and then they can't even get a loan from the white bank they put it into. Now, anybody's right mind knows that it's humanly impossible for you to live off of 2% of your income. It can't be done, but we keep trying to do the impossible. Why do we keep trying to live off of 2% and you know it can't be done? So what happens then is every night, every black community in America goes bankrupt when the last non-black in a black community closes up the store and cleans out the cash register and goes home. We go bankrupt from that night until the next morning. And the reason we are going, we're doing that, the reason we're so impoverished, is because other groups are also boycotting us. We don't have any business structures in our neighborhoods because others are boycotting you. As long as you live, you'll never see a white person because his money is bouncing in his own community. So he's not going to let his money bounce in your community. So when he, gets, when he gets money, he keeps it. You don't see him getting in his car on a Saturday morning, like this morning, driving down to a black neighborhood, getting out of his car, going into a black store, buying a black-made product. He doesn't do that. If he does do that, I told you all before, take a picture of it if you see it. <laughs> it might be very valuable one day. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like as we hear a cut from Dr. Claude Anderson, again, I am a huge fan of Dr. Claude Anderson, so he gives his viewpoint of the idea that we spend 95% of our collective income, if you will, or monies outside of our own community, and I will throw up, before I get to you, the callers, i got a couple calls I'm going to get in here, um, I will throw up, I, I played that post because, again, he's obviously typically respected our community as someone who has insights and talks if for me with his book Power Numics, which is basically a, a blueprint or a plan for in a sense how we can in a sense raise our wealth 
and play in the game of capitalism. And again, I high, even highly recommend that you read that book. But as I listen to Dr. Claude Anderson in that particular cut, I'm actually willing, wanting to challenge something I heard. We were fortunate enough to have, throw this out there as well, we were fortunate enough to have Dr. Claude Anderson on the show a couple of years ago, Dynamic Show. Definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that show if you want to look it up on Spotify or all the different digital platforms for listening to podcasts, please look it up. And it's titled, just to say, throw it out there again, it's kind of a, just a, a feather in my hat to have done a show with Dr. Claude Anderson himself. And the show is basically entitled, What Would Dr. Claude Anderson Do? So look that up. Uh, but in reference to that particular cut, as he's breaking down how much of our money goes outside of our out of our own community, and for the most part, that's the part that I do agree with, as I heard. But at the end, when he kind of mentions and breaks down at least his perspective on our lack of business structures inside of our community, inside of our own communities, in my opinion, I think he, to a certain extent, contradicted himself near the end when he first mentioned when he says we don't have any of these business structures due to the other communities boycotting um, our businesses, if you will. And then he obviously gives the kind of humorous example of that, you know, white guys not getting up to go to our neighborhood to go buy a black-owned product. And so in my opinion, and please call in if you have a different opinion, we definitely endorse and welcome that on this show. But in my opinion, when he says, we don't have these business structures because these other communities are boycotting us. In my, my, from my logical perspective, which I, again, attempt to do that at all times, he's almost basically saying without the support of other communities, we cannot have business. And I'm not saying this is exactly what he was saying, but I'm saying in my, from my viewpoint of what he was saying, it's a contradiction with I don't, obviously don't think he realized it in saying it. Because in my eyes, I'm hearing that as saying that's what would be necessary in order for us to have business structures. Because his words were, that's why we don't have these business structures in place. And then when he breaks down in his in his eyes what a white guy wouldn't wake up and do on a Saturday morning, for example, or even this holiday, for example, um, I wouldn't even say, and again, this is not, I wouldn't even say that's necessarily the case either, because I remember I had on a I've had on a lot of business people on the show. There's a brother by the name of Dwayne Drawn who's on this show, and he loves helping and help you know helping our community think about business. He's a pretty high, very successful businessman, and he's all he always said this one thing, where he said when he's doing business, he's not doing black business. He's doing business, and I think that applies from the standpoint of in the idea of us starting businesses, while you can have niche businesses that focus on our community, but on a larger business structure scale for the aspect of having a business that's not particularly niche, niche towards our community, then absolutely cultures will support that if you provide a quality product to the market because for the most part, how many products do you go out and buy and know who the actual owner is? So when you start doing business, you're not going to be boycotted, in my opinion, from what I hear Dr. Claude Anderson say in that particular cut. So I wanted to kind of start there. 
I'm going to open up the phone lines and see what y'all thoughts are. But, again, I'm just kind of throwing it out there. And I'm saying I'm not even suggesting that that one difference is the thing that makes this show go or not, but I'm just kind of pointing it out that when I hear Dr. Claude Anderson say that and because we revere Dr. Claude Anderson so much, we would just kind of ride with that train of thought and have this concept that other people are not going to do business with us. And when I talk to my friends who do well in business, they're absolutely thinking the opposite. So I bring this up because we are meant to dialogue to discuss our mindset because if we're going to, in a sense, fix this morning's this con- this concept of collective economics, or as I say, what does it really look like, I think we have to have, a, in my opinion, a better understanding of what that looks like in order to move forward because I think repeating things that nobody else is going to support you can affect how well you do business or the type of business you may choose if that makes sense. And so that's my foray into what does it really look like to address, in a sense, our collective mindset about collective economics, if you will. Let's go to our first caller. Area code 213-LAST-3001. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning. This is Jay White calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, can y'all hear me okay? Am I in? Oh, you're coming through loud, clear, man. Thanks a lot, Jay. Jay the Dreamer calling in. What's up, King? Owner of 640 West. Let me throw that out there. I like it when I got black business owners calling in. Appreciate you, King. What you got? Uh, just listening to the dialogue. Um, you know, I respect you. I respect Dr. Claude Anderson. Um, and I, 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 most importantly, I love and respect our community. However, I, I feel like in order for us to move forward, um, we have to understand, and I don't have all the understanding, uh, just my observation is, of course, um, our value system has to change as a people. When you talk about changing the community, the things we value, and what are we what are we willing to to release and let go? We just have to re-identify our value system as a collective, if we're moving as a body. That's one. Two, when you realize what that value system is and create um, your products, your services around that, then yeah, you we're not necessarily soliciting the the support of outsiders because their value system may not be our value system, and that's okay. But I think in order for us to live or, or have something sustainable for us, we can't keep up with somebody else's value system and, and expect for us to thrive. So, so with that said, cooperative and group economics, uh, I believe that's where we come from as a culture. Um, mm-hmm. But I think we have to go back to that in in order to truly be successful. Jay-Z said in one of his songs, um, you know, forget what you're selling. What are you making? They grass is greener, and they always raking in more. So, um, and I, that's not to say that again their their dollar is greener or anything like that. But what are we manufacturing? No, of course not. Yeah, what are we what are we manufacturing? What are we creating? Nobody's going to create anything uh, for us to help us to overtake what they're doing. It, it just ain't going to happen. So I think our value system has to change. Um, I partner with. Uh, because I realized, you know, ego wants to say I'm a business owner. I started this, I did that. But when Mm -hmm. you 
when you understand. So my value system is around, uh, it ain't ego. I'm, I'm using my gifts and talents that the creator gave me to better us as a body. So I'm a, I'm a planter. And I realize she's a gardener. So nice. <laughs> why would I, I'm sorry for this background noise. Why would I? Right, we don't even hear um, it, brother. You good? Yeah, you good? Garden. We don't even hear it so far. Just so you know. Okay. Why would I? Why would I try to garden when I know that's not my specialty? Let me partner with somebody who is better than I am at gardening, I, and so I can plant the next thing, which I have, which is the petty calves, and that is an opportunity right. to employ more of our people, and that's that's how we moving. And again, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all of the solutions, but I'm being proactive in helping create. Uh, opportunities for the people in the neighborhood that I live and serve, um, and I just think that if we, if we as a body get together and redefine our value system and everybody stay focused on that, then we can hold each other accountable. But I think that's at the core of everything. No, I love it, and and then I appreciate you calling again, again, owner of Six Forty West is alone, owner of plenty of businesses, as as you, as you just. Mentioned this is a serial entrepreneur here in Jay White, uh, but I appreciate it. And what I my goal, you, I'm so glad you, in a sense, you were the first caller because I wanted to put this out there. My goal in requesting people like yourself to call in is when I ask the question of what does collective economics really look like, um, I thought who, who better to get it from than people who are actually practicing like yourself. You know, I'm able to, hey, I'm able to have a platform where I could give my philosophies. Whereas you can come on and call and say, well, this is actually what I'm I'm doing. And just to give a little context for those outside of Atlanta, again, this brother is the owner of 640 uh, West, which is a beautiful uh, event spot and cafe, if you will. And so when he says he partnered with Tassili's, just to give some context for those outside of Atlanta, it's a uh, vegan restaurant here in the Atlanta area. So I didn't even know in the sense that you had partnered the way that you're saying, but that is a prime example of what collective economics looks like. Cause when he, so when he says ego, he could have had the ego of, well, I'm in business competing against her too, where he's chosen to partner. And as he just mentioned, due to his partnership and the synergy of his partnership, he's launched another business. Whereas had he not partnered, he probably would still in a sense be you know, to a certain extent, in competition with the same sister that he is now partnered with. So I definitely wanted to give that context, knowing some of your story. I appreciate your thoughts, um, if you will. One other quick question before I get to the next caller, and, you know, you know, you can give a quick thought or say you're good on it, but, I, you know, again, appreciate you for calling in. Uh, if you will, I think there are a lot of myths associated with what collective economics looks like in our community, especially perpetrated by those of us who are talking heads versus people like yourself who are actually real business owners out here doing it. One quick thought, if you will, Jay, on what is what does collective economics not look like, if you will, if that makes sense. Let me hear that thought, and we'll go to the next call. Okay. What collective economics does not look like, um, taking any resources. Again, I'm going to go back. I'm going to begin by saying our value system. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you encounter, um, somebody who has a product or service and they don't, their, theirs may not live up to your standard or what somebody else's standard is outside of the community. And then you say, I'm not going to support that anymore. Or you're going to talk about it as opposed to let me pull you to the side or let me say something to you. And I have mm-hmm. plenty of people and I'm grateful. I had plenty of people pull me to the side like, yo, Jay, 
your bathroom, yo, you need to get the bathroom right. Or man, give me a mm-hmm. uh, give me a give me a broom and a mop, and I'll go in there and clean it myself. Big shout out to Howard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, people have said that. Nah, that's but, so but, dope. I mean, think, let me, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just want to share this because it speaks to your character, and I want people to even notice about you. I that example you just gave does not shock shock me about you, Jay. Because that community really knows what you're doing for the community. So I can see an individual who probably wouldn't do that for any other business saying, well, Jay has did too much for our community. I'll go clean it because I don't want somebody else to see this, you know, this one day of somebody just being too tired to go in there, right? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Go it's ahead, a pride. We have a, you know, you have a pride about your community, man. People won't walk by trash. You know, when you have ownership in it and you this is where you invest your time, then then it's like I have a pride about the community. So not having a pride is not cooperative economics. Not supporting mm-hmm. the like for instance, so so now and I'll go back to Tasili. So we we buy um from a a distributor as as a unit now. So now we're buying um more nice. volume but we're getting it from the same nice. Um, from the same supplier, price goes down. We nice. get more volume. How Absolutely. cooperative exits do not look is when you try to go individually, and then when you don't share information, share your information. Right. But that comes with the understanding that the divine got enough. For, it's enough for everybody. You got to share what you know. Share what you know. Now I don't mean to hey, the pearls of they Hey, they always say that the devil's biggest tricks was. Was uh, saying that it showing that it doesn't exist. I actually said the devil's biggest trick is convincing us that scarcity exists. There is no sparsity, man. Yeah, scarcity and sparsity. It is. It is not um, limited, man. It is, it is unlimited. But then again, like I said, being able to partner with Tassili helped me to be able to free up myself to start another business that's going to employ more people. And as the divine gives it to me. I download it and I go run the play. Not because I'm this great dude, just because I understand one day I'm gonna die, and when I leave, ain't nothing gonna be in the coffin with me. But the people whose lives I can impact and help feed their families and help them to most importantly find their purpose in life, man, it ain't no. I can't give you nothing better than that. I can't help you find hey. or discover why you was created. It ain't nothing better than that. Can't do it, King. Can't do it, King. Thank you so much for the call. To- yeah. No, nah, nah, absolutely. Let me say this to you close. as well. Cause, uh-huh. Yeah, go ahead. Make, yeah, yeah, I'll give, yeah, I'm about to go over this break, but go ahead and make your closing, brother. I want to say something to you real quick before you go. But go ahead and, yeah, close it out, King. I'm sorry. I just say, man, as we – I'm, I'm going to hit this hard. Our value system has a change. Sisters, I love y'all. Stop buying beauty from other people who came from you. Stop buying beauty from them. Nails, hair, whatever it is. Do something to, to create that wealth, man, or create a product. If this is where we're going, at least manufacture it. That's what I'm saying. And I only hit that because it's a billion-dollar industry that's leaving our neighborhoods every day. But I ain't never seen anybody from uh, the Asian community come mm-hmm. to my neighborhood and, and buy not a, not a noun later. You hear me? Right. But we run into them. Fair and enough. And let me throw this out there, too, just even, you know, even speaking of Dr. Claude Anderson, just to even piggyback just slightly. Um, you know, Dr. Claudia has to talk about find those places where you have com- competitive advantage. And our own hair and how we look is a competitive advantage. So not only is it a billion-dollar business, but we have a competitive advantage because 
is, you know, who can do beauty better than we can ourselves, right? So we definitely, you know, so I definitely yeah. respect that thought. Yeah, the last thing I was going to say to you was just, I, uh, I don't know if you know, I, um, I've been at all the different games, so I was so proud when I walked out of the arena last night for the uh, concert here in Atlanta, and first thing I saw was uh, somebody getting a ride on one of your pedicabs. So I, I definitely so <laughs> hope that you were the first caller this morning. I literally saw that when I walked out of the arena last night. So real man, King, keep doing what you're doing. And appreciate um, the call in. We'll get to the next callers after the next break. For everyone listening, the break that you're about to hear, we are not a politically correct show, but this cut says a whole lot that I want to introduce to this morning's discussion question. African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? So I am giving you a heads up there. This brother is very passionate and is going to be cursing during the cut. But what he says is something worthy of talking about, and I don't have the ability to beat out the cursing, so just giving you a heads up. If you if you hate test cursing, you might want to pause just for about a three minutes. But other than that, if you can bear with it, I think you're going to hear why I chose to use this cut for this break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. Where all I ask is that you think. Say some shit to y'all that uh, I seen yesterday that made me f- smile, but it hurt me to my heart. There's a house next door to me that's been abandoned, and uh, the yard, the grass, high as hell, and everything. And there's a couple of abandoned cars out there beside the house. Well, yesterday I get off work about 7 o'clock. A Mexican guy pulled up. He said, these your cars? I said, no. He said, I just bought this house, man. I said, all right, that's what's up. He was like, you know whose cars these is? He said, no. He said, well, I bought the house, not the cars. Okay, I'm like, cool. I'm thinking he's just coming to look at the house. I go back in the house, do a little straighten up. I swear to God, I walk back at the house. Now, I'm getting off about 720. It's fucking nine Mexican trucks just pull up. They got fucking beer, lights, and shit, right? So I'm like, what y'all finna do? He said, we finna fix this house. I said, what kind of crew you got working after 7 o'clock? He said, these my friends. The fucking house is fixed this morning. They went in there and drywalled that fucking house. I just left out of there. It was a fucking abandoned house. That bitch looked new this morning. Whew. It was an abandoned fucking house. And it looked new this morning. It's an old African proverb. Many hands make life work. I just don't think they're better than us. I just think we won't do nothing together. Wow. You're not hearing what the fuck I'm saying. It was an abandoned house yesterday at 7 fucking 15. That bitch is new this morning. He bought a tax lien house. I can't wait to see what they do. I can't wait to see is one family going to live in there? Is they going to... I'm going to get to know the motherfuckers. 
you best believe me when I make some money, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring us together. And I'm not fucking with a lot of people. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, African-Americans, what does collective economics really look like? Again, excuse the language for that cut, but again, we are not a politically correct show. Uh, our point is to have honest and direct dialogue. And so, again, if you are new to the show, may, you know, maybe a little shock to your system if you are a regular listener, you know from time to time, uh, again, not the way that in a sense, I particularly choose to talk, especially on the show, but again, we're not opposed to just, in a sense, keeping it real, if you will. And as you hear this cut, some of you may even be familiar seeing that video um, it's from a couple of years ago. I know I was, it, it came pop back up in my mind as I was preparing for this show because it's been two years since I've seen that, that video of, again, just a brother in his car talking about how his next door, the home next door to him was an abandoned house, and one day later, it's looked brand new based on the scenario we just heard, which clearly is a very, very effective concept of collective economics. And I remember when the video, in a sense, at least went viral a couple of years ago, at least in my time, some of you may have seen it, what I constantly saw was responses on my timeline for, from blacks was how we won't do the very example we just heard, which is, you know, in a sense, buy a tax lien house for cheap and do exactly what we just heard. <laughs> you know, the, in a sense, the essays got their beer together and knocked it all out, right? And and so what I come to learn, even after that example, because I remember that, again, this video, um, that, in a sense, is a can be a common practice amongst workers, construction workers, per se, that are in that industry where they may do what we just heard and they end up doing it for one another. So as they build up funds, even like he said, he wanted to see who's, who's all going to stay in the house. But I've heard examples of maybe a bunch stay in the house, they get another tax lien, that same crew goes and does it for another home. And so over time, all the different families that are, again, assisting one another in fixing up homes, they do it for one another until everybody, in a sense, has their homes, build up money, buy a home on the tax lien, and they all, as he, as the example he just gave, after they finish their day work, they go fix up each other's homes as someone picks up one from the tax lien. So it's not just that one example. That's what I've come to learn, that that's a common practice. Sounds amazing. Again, this discussion of African Americans, what does collective economics really look like, I saw that video turn into whether we would just simply whether we would do it or not with a many, with a lot of people saying, Oh, we just won't do that. And my goal with this discussion is to get into the mindset for one for culturally why in a sense they were able to do that. In my opinion, when you get into the cultural aspects, you start delving into how there are those of us in our community that do do the same thing despite the criticisms, and even for those who want, we have to address the culture. When we say, what does collective economics really look like, if we consider that uh, what we just heard a prime example of collective economics, then we can't stop at the criticism of we just won't do that, which is what I often see happen 
with these discussions. Let me go to the next caller and see what they want to address. Hopefully it's some of what we just heard, but, again, your opinions, whatever you want to bring to the table, we're going to definitely open it up. If you're on the phone line and want to get in, you do need to press 1. Brother Pianchi, I will be getting you on just so you know um, um, after this next call. Area code 404. Yep. Four, yeah. How you doing? What, give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. So my name is Monty Evans. I serve as the president and CEO of Moja Evans Marketing and Branding Services. Hey, absolutely. Another business owner who could tell us what this collective economics really looks like, because you are, again, you're one of these people out here doing it. So I appreciate you, Monty, for, for calling in and giving us your three cents. Again, I'm up here philosophizing, but I want to hear from the people that are actually out there <laughs> doing it. Go ahead, King, what you got for us? Yeah, I think for me, uh, Tavis Smiley wrote a book uh, some time ago, and one of the first laws as far as how to make black America better was think black first. And so as a business owner for 17 years, 2020 will make 18 years, that focuses exclusively on marketing and branding of our companies, right, is that I look for, intentionally look for black businesses, uh, black business owners, entrepreneurs, and those who have a vision and dream and figure out how I can help them or connect them to somebody who can help them. I don't do taxes, but I know black folks who do taxes. I don't do financial management but I know black folks who do financial management. So for me, when I think of what does collective economics really look like, it's intentionally supporting black businesses, thinking black first when it comes to uh, what I need, like some of the furniture in my office. I had a brother uh, uh, create the furniture for me, uh, build it for me. When I think about uh, designing or doing something, of course I think about a brother first. Even now, you know, um, in the first week of December, I'll be opening my office in Ghana, West Africa, right? So now I'm transitioning to a mindset of I'm only going to wear African-made clothes from an African man or woman who's in Africa. And I know that from a macro perspective, uh, we only can do what we can do with the time and space that we have on the planet. So I I, I, I can't, and nobody has taken on the cause of the entire race when it comes to African-Americans or people of African descent. I think what we have to also shape the narrative is we have to highlight and promote the good, and we have to focus Mm -hmm. our attentions and energies on always talking about the positive because what you sensationalize is what people will follow through on. We don't talk about the good or the business owners or the collective economic work that's happening, let's say, in the West End, Lithonia, mm-hmm. South DeKalb, Atlanta. So we need to, when somebody says something negative, we need to immediately counter it with something positive that we know from our experience instead of allowing that uh, negativity to get out of the, uh, get out of hand. Yeah, that's a great, a great thought. What comes to my mind as you say that, Monty, um, is if you remember the, in a sense, the, the, in a sense, a couple of times that Popeye's chicken in his damn sandwich is caught the attention mm-hmm. of America, right? Specifically, African Americans, mm-hmm. and you, you know, there's a lot of negative t- negativity thrown out in reference to how much money we supposedly made Popeye's chicken, and and I, like yourself, I am not into getting caught up in sensationalism to that extent, and it harms mm-hmm. us not because it's necessarily true, 
but because it's like you say, it's what we pay attention to, and it becomes the narrative. Because what I did mm-hmm. throw out in reference, I didn't up doing a video, so I felt like I was forced to when it popped up a second time. And I it's gonna appear. I said, quit saying that. You know, we don't do these things, and quit being upset about people mm-hmm. buying a four dollar sandwich for one. But two, I says, as you're talking about this and saying we don't do this, I just saw a queen open up a beauty store just a few months ago, and the first day was fifty thousand dollars in sales. So where's mm-hmm. where's this narrative that we don't support our own? Right. Just because right. people got caught up in a marketing scheme and bought a four dollar sandwich, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. like you said, we have to counter it with a true, real narrative. If fifty thousand dollars on the first day for a beauty supply store doesn't prove we can come together, right. you're crazy because we bought a right. sandwich that was four dollars. Right. Like that ain't right. the real narrative. The real narrative is. You know, I, I, I hope that, as a matter of fact, I need to seek that sister out and see if I can get on the show. But I'm pretty sure if I were to talk to her, you've been in business 18 mm-hmm. years, I'm pretty sure she went through a long, arduous process oh, on how yeah. she marketed and was able to pull that off. And so by doing good business, she did 50000 day one. We doing that. And, We're doing that. And let me say this, Montoya, is that I, I am of the mindset and of the thought life that it's okay for us to exclusively focus on black businesses and black individuals to support our products and services only because there are non-black people who exclusively want to focus on non-black people for their business. And I believe I subscribe to a school of thought because a hundred percent of my clientele are black is that there is enough money, even here in the Atlanta metro area, there's enough black people and there's enough black businesses where we can build a cooperative as far as economic development that will work for us. But we've got to forge those conversations. Now, I also will say this. I believe those conversations are happening. I'm just not in those rooms, and because I haven't watched TV in, let's say, six years, and I'm controlled on what I consume as far as media information, I believe, because I know we got Jay Morrison and we have quite a few other sisters mm-hmm. and brothers in this city who are doing good, and they are working very hard to try to bring collective economics for our community together, and I'm just not in those rooms. No, absolutely. I definitely I highlight what Jay and, his, and Ernestine are um, doing. Uh, I love to highlight that because it's a real example. You are an example. I'm glad to be connected with you here in the Atlanta area and look forward and look forward to our partnership that you and I agreed upon and look forward to mm-hmm. sharing it with the Mr. Dollar Community Club. Thank you for your thoughts, King. We are up against the break. I got Brother Pianchi. I got to get yes, in the next and another caller as well. Thank you for your three cents this morning. Take care. All right, Brother Pianco, we are up against another break, so I'll get you coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Square Business Entertainment brings you their latest hit, I Really Want You, by Taylor Pace. Take a listen. If you're loving this as much as I am, be sure to go to their YouTube page and subscribe. Search for Square Business Entertainment. They are also rewarding their fans with a new release every 30 days. Here's another one by Taylor Pace. Love Can't Define This. Love Can't Define This. 
can capture all your sweetness and your kindness. Love can define us. We're crippled and love would only blind us. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? Um, supporting this show is a form of collective economics, so I'm thankful to our sponsors, Square Business Entertainment, providing us with, as I always like to say, real R&B. You will hear one of my favorite cuts they have at the top of the next hour. Uh, but just throwing this out before I go to Brother Piaki, uh, myself and Monty Evans, again, owner of uh, an 18-year business owner himself. Uh, he threw out the name Jay and Ernestine Morrison. If you're not familiar with the Tulsa Real Estate Fund, that is definitely an example of collective economics where they allow a lot of people to put put in it's the first um, fund of its kind, and I want to say it incorrectly from a legal standpoint, but it is the first fund, black-owned fund of its kind. Again, you can look that up. And they've bought apartment buildings, they bought a, a huge um, a huge builder, they actually painted black uh, in a sense to represent what they're doing with the Tulsa Real, Tel- Tel- Real Estate Fund and again it's just an endorsement that, that, of what Monty said, that there are people who are actually out here doing in a sense the things that we say we won't do let me go to Brother Pianchi, our number one caller to the Mental Dialogue talk show, I asked him to call in because he is a I think if I'm saying this right, right, Brother Pianchi, out of St. Louis, you are, in a sense, a retired businessman at this point, but you are always beautifully offering your services and thoughts to, to things that we can do, all, typically from a collective standpoint. So thank you, King, for being with us uh, this morning and wanted to just, in a sense, tackle a couple of questions from you. You can jump in where we are, where, wherever we've already went, but ultimately just wanted to understand your perspective on what does collective economics look like in your opinion thank you king for being with us well i'm not entirely retired i still work with my nigerian friends and the development of seaports power okay. generating station and also ammonia plants <clears throat> but uh you know claude anderson message uh, I understand his message, but it's not really a reality because things and dynamics have changed. Uh, Walmart is putting dairy farms out of business because they're taking on the situation. And also, now here's a niche market in dairy, and the dairy farmers tell you what's hurting them is that people are going to things like almond milk and soy milk. Mm-hmm. So that there is a market. But what do collective economics look like? Collective economics look like that group of Mexicans that was fixing up that house, but we looking at it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. That group of Mexicans, and I'm not knowing them in, uh, 100%, but I'm saying that they sat down at a table in Mexico, and they formed a group of contractors, of people with the skills to do the things necessary in order to take a house like that and put it back online. It was many of them because when you have incidents like Katrina, they hit the New Orleans area and they practically rebuilt New Orleans because they was a collective group that was formed that could mobilize, come here to the U.S., 
and take on those individual projects, and that was their collectivism. They don't necessarily. I've seen them up in Missouri during a tornado, doing roof. Mm-hmm. There's a brother mm-hmm. up in Missouri, a black man called Platinum Roofing. He uses them as he sell roof jobs in the communities. So that's the collectivism. You, know, you may mention about this fund that's in Tulsa, in Oklahoma. Well, blacks had a fund like that. It was called a Minority Business Council coming out of New York where they had a consortium. See, we use the word collective. Actually, it gets to be a consortium of corporations that came together under a scheme where their membership might have been $50,000 or so on, so on, so on. And they put that together to provide uh, working capital for minority business. They had to use the word minority. They couldn't say black because of the the position that we, we live in. Right. Now, what it does not look like, where well, earlier you talked about a business, say, I do business with everybody. I think that we wanted it to look like that blacks is the only one that's buying from blacks, but that's just not possible nowadays. It's uh, Unless you live in a city that's entirely 100% black. Your Mercedes Benz uh, dome there in Atlanta. That was done by Russell. I built a, a dome in St. Louis, the TWA dome. I didn't do it entirely, but I had the structure still. Well, I couldn't come to Atlanta and do the structure still in Atlanta because that's to me is a different country, different rules, different regulation, different people, different networks, different connections, and so on, so on, so on. And uh, that's just how it works. It, 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 if you got a plan to do something, like I think we talked to a lady who was talking about doing cotton. Well, she, mm-hmm. she sits down mm-hmm. and and puts that project together, and the pieces and part that makes the whole project work, she finds people that can sit at the table and provide their expertise. The young man is talking about doing business in Ghana. Well, I have mining license in Ghana, have had it for, you know, about two decades, but I work with people over there because I just can't walk in that country, even though my wife is from there, and just, you know, run carte blanche like I do here in the United States, and you got to have a base in the United States, I say, before you start venturing out in other parts of the world, because if something happens to you, you can always fall back to your base. And you know no, another thing. Too. Let me go, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Another thing too. I had written down some things. Now you talking about now this is the reality also. As blacks start moving up in the economic spectrum, their interest is going to dictate what they do and what they don't do. Uh Cortez, the representative in New York that's talking about the Green New Deal. And doing away with petrochemical uh, operations. Well, if you look at the black enterprise, top 100 black businesses, in the first 20, I think six of them are in the automotive field. Okay. Well, if her plan and others in Congress comes into effect, it's going to knock those people out of business. 
So they are not going to contribute to candidates that's proposing it, nor will they do business with businesses that's supporting candidates that's proposing that because you are, in effect, cutting your own throat. So, mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? No, I follow you. And let me tell you, let me tell you. Oh, 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 please go ahead. Now, please go ahead. And also, what you're saying is good to get people thinking, but this don't move off of the emotions of what you hear. There's more important things that go with the overall scheme of the thing to make it work good. Chicken, you're talking about Popeye's. One of the reasons why Popeye's can do that is because they own the chicken farms. Okay. They own, well, I'll tell you what it is. You got chicken farmers that take baby chicks that Popeye's provide. They raise the chicks. Then Popeye's would send harvesters in to harvest the chicks and pay that farmer what, you know, basically some set prices, which is very, very minimal. Uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried does the same thing. McDonald's do the mm-hmm. same thing with cattle ranches, so they control the prices of the beef. They don't ever have to worry about what their price is going to be. So that's how you, if you're going to have a chicken store, a chicken restaurant that's selling fried chicken dinners, well, you need to raise the chickens. You need to process the chickens. You need to have the storage and transportation of the chickens that comes to your restaurant. Now, here's the beauty of it. You just don't sell to your restaurant. You can also sell to your competitors. If your competitors want to undercut your chicken dinner for about 50 cents, that's fine. But they still buying the chickens from you. That's collectivism, too. Well, and that's one area where I know you and Dr. Colin Anderson absolutely would agree because he always conceptually talks about vertical integration. And that's what you just mostly spoke to is don't just have the – the chicken, the, the restaurant itself, and call yourself an owner if you have the ability to vertically integrate. And that is the perspective, you know, in doing that. But I think I also hear you saying this, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I also hear you saying in order to do that, the alliances that are going to be necessary in the realities of wherever you may live, like you said, if you're outside of a Detroit, outside of an Atlanta, the reality is those alliances to even take over even your own operations from a vertical integration standpoint is going to require typically making interactions with people who don't look like yourself. Brother Muncie Evans has been able to beautifully do his business that way, but it's particular to that business. I think I hear you saying that if you're going to move into other industries, it's, it's, it's not reality to think of it that way for certain industries, in particular yourself who's done business you know, in all type of industries that that's required you to make alliances with all type of people, but you, in a sense, always being conscious of the fact that you want to leave a legacy, you know, for your grand, you know, for your grandson, for example, uh, brother Pianchi again is not only my number one caller. I invited him to do a show um, over a year ago, and it was a beautiful show, and him talking about, um, you know. What, what 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 the legacy that he wanted to leave, and now he has a grandchild who's who's taking up engineering and, and a, an awesome baseball player, and how all that applies, and how all of that was on his mind in reference to him being a business owner and leaving a legacy. So just kind of shouting you out, brother Pianchi, and thank you. You know what? Uh, for giving uh, your thoughts as well. Go ahead, King. And when you talk about the collectors, and I used to come from St. Louis. I live in in the South now. Well, that's a whole different story. I used to come from St. Louis. 
down off of Memorial and what is it, Broadview uh, Avenue? There is Memorial Drive over here in Atlanta. Atlanta? Yeah, I used to bring him down Uh Memorial Drive Uh at least four times a year to train with Coach Phillips, who was Brandon Phillips' father. He's got an excellent operation that's going there. And I tell everybody I talk to along the lines of uh, perfecting their young players, take your child down there to, to Coach Phillips. Now, one other thing. Your most important resource is the education. Hey, let me child. do this, Brother Pierre, because we're at the top of the hour, because I want to get that. I want to get right, that hang on. You. Let's go to the – yeah, yeah, hang on for this. Let me do this quick break, and we'll get that thought out of the hour, and then we'll get to the next callers after you get your thought out. Thanks a lot, Brother Pierre. Y'all – Get back with you right out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. This morning's discussion question, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? We'll be right back. Talk show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, aka Black Socrates. I love that cut by Taylor Pace from Square Business Entertainment. Again, a sponsor of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. If you have a product or service you want to get out to the smartest audience in radio, please contact me as well. This morning's discussion question African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? So you got Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis breaking down his perspective as a longtime businessman given his perspectives on what it really looks like. Let's get his last thought before we go to the next caller. All right, Brother Punk, Brother Pianco, we got you live again. Go ahead, King. And you know, the other thing, too, we're talking about the resource, and you know I speak about this all the time, is the education of, your, of black children. You have to get black children more into the sciences, more of them. They don't have to be all of them, but there's a process to see if they got what it takes to do that. And they have to have more hands-on experience to uh, like when I was coming up, we had electronic surplus stores. We had electronic kits, so on, so on, so on, where we could build things with our hand and, and see that light come on and off. Of where we could mm-hmm. have a amplifier for, uh, like you using there where you are, we could see it work. And when we could uh, have an enunciator when somebody coming or go out of a door, so that hands-on is what helps that child to become innovative 
and they can look at a problem and based on what they have in their hands, they can create these instruments that help solve their problems. Doctors treat the symptoms of problems. Engineers create things where their problem is no longer a problem again. And they have to have those type of mindsets. I'm sorry. If you look at the rest of the world, that's what they got. You go over into China, for instance. China got a whole city. That's all they do in that city is make floor tile. 28,000 28, shops that make floor tile. They supply floor tile wow. for the whole world. Wow. And wow. the same thing along other areas, too. That's what it really looks like. That's what it really looks like. Um, we're going to definitely get more into what you just spoke about. We'll play a cut by Killer Mike that addresses exactly what you're talking about. All right, I'm going to put uh, myself on mute and listen because my computer is down. All right. Thank you, sir. All right, sounds good. Thanks a lot, Brother Pianchi. Let's get to the other callers and get y'all out. We're going to get y'all in. Again, I asked Brother Pianchi to call in, so I gave him a little more time. So, And, again, he's our number one caller, so he definitely gets more time. All right, let's go to our next caller. Area code 404-8-3292. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. T, can you hear me, King? Yeah, my toy, can you hear me? Yeah, you're live on the air, King. Go ahead, what you got, got for us? Thanks for calling in this morning. So we're definitely going a lot of places. Just wanted to get your thoughts on what this collective economics really look like uh, just to even share this, this brother again uh, as a financial advisor that helps out the mental dialogue community club so i definitely love getting in a sense financial minds to give us their perspective on what collective economics really looks like so thanks a lot king for calling in if you will yeah give us your thoughts on what what does it really look like from your perspective if you will Sure, I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, let me know if it gets too loud. I'm at an event today, so now nah, you're good um, right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, cool. I want to hit it from two perspectives real quick. Um, I want to answer the question in two ways. Uh, one, I want to look mm-hmm. at it from a collective standpoint. You know, what a lot of people I talk to uh, say when we start talking about uh, collective econ- economics. So. From a group perspective, the conversation a lot of times ends up going to uh, Tulsa, primarily, um, you know, Black Wall Street. And, you know, a lot of people I talk to say, you know, we need that again. We need our own community full of our own businesses, selling our own products and services, which is great. You know, that's wonderful. I would love to see that. But we're not there right now. And there's a lot of work we can be doing right now to build towards those communities, which brings me to, you know, my personal perspective on you know what group economics looks like Uh, for me i just want to walk it backwards real quick and look at our communities you know communities are built for families families are built from individuals so for me the starting point when i talk about group economics starts with the individual you know as individuals we need to want to participate in group economics and you know a lot of times we think well that's what all black people want and i'm gonna touch on that in a minute because that's not necessarily true um, and then, you know, as we marry and start building families, we have to pass that mandate to the family. You know, that's when, and, and after that, you know, my family connects with another family that has the same mandate, and we start building that community again. So from a personal perspective with me, it started with me. I passed that to my children, 
and now my family's connected with other families that have that same mindset and that same mandate for those. So, you know, personally, I mean, we've had this conversation before. Obviously, you know, I'm committed to, you know, collective economics. You know, I'm a black business owner. My two, eight, uh, my two teenage kids are business owners. You know, we all have the same goal, which is building our community. And, you know, this weekend, like right now, I'm at an event. My kids will easily make over $1,000 spending this weekend. But more importantly than the money is the connections they're making, the opportunities that, that they're being presented with just from being in this environment with other black business owners. So, you know, although we may not have the model. Shout the event Tulsa, out. Just so we got to, you know, shout them out while you're there. Go ahead and shout them out, King. Yeah, this weekend um, we're over at uh, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. They're having a three-day um, holiday celebration. It's probably about 100, 125 black vendors over here. Um, you know, all kinds of products from, I mean, you name it, oils up to, you know, I just met a brother out of Chicago that um, does woodwork. He's got a five-foot picture of uh, President Obama he made from hand. So all kinds of stuff over here. So, you know, we've been wow. here all weekend. But like I said, more importantly than the money, I mean, they're making some, some solid connections. You know, you're finding people that, you know, you can go to to buy stuff you use for your business. You're finding people you can connect with to, to foster partnerships. And, you know, that all goes back to a collective black economics. Not only are we, you know, here selling, we're connecting and we're building, you know, communities that can start looking more like what we think it should look like. So, again, we may not have the physical model right now, but, you know, this is only one event. There's like three events I know of this weekend in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The, the Village Marketplace had another event over the weekend. Yeah, there was I'm over 100 there. black-owned I'm businesses going there. there. Today. I'm going there today. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, you, you talked about what, what the myth is. Sometimes we think since it doesn't look a certain way, it's not happening. It's happening. We just got to find out where it's happening to make sure we're participating in it. No, absolutely. And one of the easiest things, just to throw this thought out there for people that are listening, um, one aspect of collective economics and what you what you brought to the table was, in a sense, a, long, a long-term thought is kind of what you brought to the table. And one aspect mm-hmm. that would, that is smart is, um, you know, we grew up with this concept of getting out, out of the hood, per se, uh, but if we, in a sense, would reverse that mindset to, to the extent that we now consider getting back to where places where we're already aggregated, then it becomes easy in a city like Atlanta to have several events. You're telling me 100 vendors over mm-hmm. there. I know for a fact the Village Market has another 100 black-owned vendors that I'm going to go to, uh, you know, with Dr. Key Hallman and her event. I'll be there this afternoon. So it's beautiful for me to hear, whereas the Village Market kind of was, at least for me over the last few years, kind of like the epitome of it. But to hear that there's another event with just a, another 100, again, you can't do that everywhere, but you can easily do it in the Atlanta, mm-hmm. in the Detroit, exactly. in the Jackson, Mississippis, and so um, uh, Maria Richards, she was the one who came on my show a few years ago and talked about that concept of, of considering coming back to the places that, in a sense, that we, um, you know, in the early 1900s when we moved out of the South, per se. It's not saying everybody should come back to the South, but wherever we're already at, there's an opportunity to do these things that we're talking about. And I don't, I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to share a long-term thought that you brought to the table when you talked about um, like I said, the idea of people saying getting back to Black Wall Street, and you basically broke down. This is this this is really a process, and so it made me think yeah. of um, an example. Again, I love studying 
our culture, but I love studying other cultures as well. I think it gives you a lot of perspective. But a perfect example of what you're talking about, and again, I don't want to keep you too long because I know you're at the event helping your um, your No, we're good. I'm good. I'm good on time. Okay, cool. I just want to check. I want to check. Okay, cool. So this example, and this is just, it really highlights what you're talking about. So, for example, the Japanese after World War II, uh, you know, in a sense, they were defeated per se, uh, you know, obviously with the atomic bomb drops and things of that nature. But, if, again, the world to a certain extent came together and said, well, how do we assist? In a sense, at in a sense, building Japan back up after dropping these bombs, and you know, creating you know different agreements and things of this nature, and so pretty much the Japanese kind of conceded, uh, we're not going to necessarily build up a, a, a navy again because that's how they had become you know so powerful and 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 decided to in a sense try to rule the world. At least that's the perspective we're given in history, right? And so one of their agreements was, okay, we won't build up our navy again for all of this assistance. Well, I've come to learn that in their their concept, or I guess whoever their emperor was after this happened, conceptualized and saying, okay, how do we rebuild our country? You know, again, after having, you know, two bombs dropped on two of their major cities. One mm-hmm. of their perspectives was that they wanted to make relationships with in the United States. And so their perspective was send people here, have people immigrate here, you know, as you know, in a sense, as much as possible. And so, when they would have their people immigrate here, their concept—and I'm not saying we have to follow this concept—but I just want to let people understand how long-term thinking works. So, their concept was not only would they send um, people from their country here, immigrate here, but they gave them an edit saying, "Hey, go get into industry. We want you to assimilate as much as possible." Then their reasoning for it was they wanted to understand how we were doing manufacturing. They wanted to understand it. So their thought process in doing that was assimilate as much as possible, get into these positions, learn how they manufacture, bring it home. So quite often, and we still see this in Asian cultures, if you're familiar or know any, but quite often they gladly take on an American name. And, of course, we think it's just because – their, you know, their 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 given name. They don't want to even go through the heart of having us, you know, mess up their names. That's a part of it, but they literally, at least the Japanese particularly, came here, and their concept was assimilate because they thought make a friend, they'll give you more information. And so literally, some would immigrate permanently, some would come on temporary visas, come back, and so people know this history. So for a long time. Once Asian products started coming to America, what were they? They were copies of what American, while well, we were in a sense leading an industry, right? So all the things that would come from out of that part of the world were just replicas or copies or not as, in a sense, not as uh, good as American products, if you will, right? Right. Because they literally was just copying. Well, not only were they copying to get started and get their money up, you know what I mean, coming here and assimilating, and that was their edict. What they were also doing was now that we have the process down, they wanted to innovate the process. We can't build up an army, but they became very efficient in science and technology. So once they copied our process, they wanted to spend their energy and time and money on being able to innovate the process. So by copying and assimilating and spending years doing that, eventually they got educated and and, and went very hard in STEM and were able to improve on all the processes that they had copied. 
and eventually now we know that area of the world to be the leading air providers of technology and even cars per, per se. Like when the first cars started importing here, they were known to, for the most part to be, you know, the, the, the weakest cars. American cars were the leaders. Now, mm-hmm. every year, American cars are competing with the Toyotas and, you know, and things of the world of who has the best and most efficient car because they copied us and surpassed. So I give that long process because that was their thought process to rebuilding their country. So they they didn't have people in the, I'm pretty sure they, you know, I don't know their full history. I'm pretty sure when that was the edict, there were plenty of people saying, no, we just need to keep doing our own thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty I mean, sure there were people that were saying it's, it's, that. But yeah, right. go ahead. No, nah, I'm saying to your point, it's, it's definitely a process. Um, the challenge I've seen in our community is that there has not been the planning part. Like you said, they came together and came with a with a plan and executed. You know, too often I meet people that want to progress. They want collective economics and other things in our community but there's a lack of a strong plan one and two there's a lack of commitment in some communities to how long that process is going to take again going back to you know Tulsa I'm sure that didn't happen overnight there had to be some people that said you know I would like to see this in our community and again they connected with other people with the same vision the same mindset and the planning process began and, you know, you may know this better than me. I don't know how many years it took for the community to actually come together and become as successful as it was. You know, some people may have not been able to see the fulfillment of that because it may have been, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. I don't know the numbers. But, again, right. a lot of times we, we, we want to see it, but we don't have the plan or the commitment to how long it would take time to fulfill that. So, you know, and other, now, yeah, other and, and in addition to, to not how long – uh-huh. Right. Go ahead. But yeah, let me throw this out. We up against the break, so I'm gonna have to cut you off. But thanks a lot, King. But I'll just say, when it comes to the long term, but even the process to do the long term, we're sometimes we're denying the initial process, which might include alliances, building, going off to yep. school, learning. You feel me? And and whereas we're saying yeah. we don't even gotta go to those schools. Like no, no, no. The process is kind of what took Japan to become the leading technology rulers of the world that started way back after World War II, and it took them 20, 30 right. years to start competing mm-hmm. competitively with quality, with quality products. So, again, just a great example. We are up against the break. Thank you so much for your three cents. We will get to 706-958 coming out of the break. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. We'll be right back. Karate for Children is offered every Sunday at Mount Vernon Presbyterian Church Gymnasium from 2.45 to 4.15 p.m. for ages 5 to 14 years old. Children will learn Japanese karate as well as self-defense prevention skills to handle today's situation, like bullying and child abductions. For only $10 a class, children will gain confidence, self-control, and focus all while having fun and getting good physical fitness. There are no bench warmers because everyone participates. Come join our family every Sunday at 471 Mount Vernon Highway, Northeast, Sandy Springs, Georgia, 30328. For more information, call B-Champs at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770 
Because you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars building things, be that construction, aviation mechanics, pouring concrete. You need to start thinking, what am I going to do to be a part of the economic atmosphere in my community to make it better? We need to start as black men targeting the merchant class. What does it take to own a gas station? What does it take to own a five and dime store? What does it take to own a dollar store? Because there are a group of people who do business in our community every single day that care nothing about your community. And nor should they. They don't live there. That's just they trap. <laughs> they come, they open up their sitco, they do business with you, they close it. They don't care how it looks. They don't care how your women are talked to. They don't care if you're respected or not. Right. The only way to end that is to become the merchant class in your community. If I were young people, I would start encouraging the rappers I like to buy something in my community. All right, if you're from Zone 6, I don't need a playground. I don't want you to give me a community center. I want you to buy three apartments. I want you to do what Rollo did in the blood. I want you to buy a set of apartments. I want you to renovate them, and I want you to give me affordable rent. Right? And I'm going to steal like your gold chain. I'm going to steal like your car, but I need you to put something back in the delivery. And if you say it, they'll start doing it. Shout out to 21 Savage who's doing it. Shout out to Black Youngster who's doing it. Shout out to Rocco who's building the subdivision. Shout out to me and T.I. who bought a famous restaurant called Bankhead Seafood. And it's coming back. You know what I'm saying? So start requiring that of the people you look up to and they'll deliver to you. They're not going to listen to me and your parents because we're old enough to hate. They're going to listen to you because you are inspiration. Right? So young men, after you've decided, am I going to do a specialized degree or some type of trade skill people pay me for, or am I going to be an entrepreneur? Now you're in the business of having money, you're in the business of home ownership. Now it's time to make or marry the person that you are going to build more with. Right? I married a girl who grew up in a project, who dropped out of school, got her GED, went on to work at corporations, and learned how to be a businesswoman. And now, because of her, I own over a million dollars real estate. You understand what I'm saying? That only happens because I married that type of woman. Now, I made mistakes and I made children with women before that, and that was not fair to them. It was not fair to my children, and it was not fair to myself. But because I married a woman who was a thinker and a grower, my children are great. My children and our mothers are at a better relationship than we ever will have. We're always going to be that way because financially, I'm taking care of my responsibilities. From a time perspective, I'm taking care of my responsibilities. And Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. This morning's discussion question, African Americans, what does collective economics really look like? I hope y'all could make out. wish I could have cleared up that cut. Somebody just so happened to catch Killer Mike coming out of an event, and they recorded it on their phone. And Killer Mike said a whole lot in that piece. And, again, I hope y'all could capture and gather most of what he said. Um, the two, two, two key things that I took from that cut, is he talked about the concept of of being in the merchant class and focusing the thing that Brother Pianchi, in a sense, was just talking about, understanding what industries you need to go into, hands-on uh, practicality, that these are the areas that need to be and should be the focus due to that's how you run a business. That's how you run a community. So, in fact, uh, we we just had conversations just a couple a few weeks ago, we don't do too many political shows per se, but we did a show talking about um, politics with Brother um, Horace Williams, um, owner of Empowered, just to throw that out there. But in having that discussion, 
ultimately when it comes to politics, a lot of people fail to understand this, but the business class is who controls politics. And you know, when I say that, people say, oh, shake their head, yes. But in, 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 in reality, quite often, we get emotional about politics, not understanding, in fact, how politics are really played. And so if the business class, in fact, runs politics, your local politics, the only politics that really matter, then these addicts, such from Akila Mike or Brother Pianchi, suggesting that these are the areas we should be moving in, they, in fact, are how we, in a sense, can take control of our own communities, and we could then avoid some of the things that we're always, quote-unquote, protesting about, if you will, not to necessarily go there. But that's one thing I took from what Killer Mike had to say. And the second thing, if you hear where he ended, he said he got on track because he married the right woman. And so when it comes to collective economics, quite often I see these discussions, I go to other events, and it always trips me out that one of the perspectives is never mentioned in my – I'm giving my opinion here. If you differ, please call in and say so. But one of the easiest ways to focus on collective economics is find the right woman, stay with her, leave a legacy for your children, and as Brother T financial advisor that called in and said and ensure your children take that edict and run with it. And you can that becomes the perspective of collective economics. Now you're getting putting in the value system that a brother Jay White called in the first hour and said, hey, here are the things that are lacking. Uh, if you heard the cut about what the Hispanic men or the Mexican men did with that home, you know, as Brother Piaki said, that started from a conversation or a meeting, you know, back in their, in a sense, their home country per se. But also, which is a big part of it, is the cultural mindset to do so. Culture comes from good, strong families. Can't have strong communities without strong families. And the corner block of strong families is marriage for those who like to, in a sense, disparage that word as if marriage itself is the issue versus maybe some of the dysfunctionality that has come from not having, in my opinion, enough marriages in the community to, in fact, ensure that we can create a value system where people trust one another to go into business with one another and collectively taking over your community. It all goes hand in hand. So that's my full thought on what collective economics looks like. Let's go to the next caller. Area code 706, last three, nine, five, eight. You are live on the air. Give us your name and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Brother Montoya, what's going on, man? This is Roy Evans with uh, the Jericho Broadcast Networks and the Black College Sports Network, man. Um, hey, you know, glad I, to have you on, King. <laughs> Right, you know. Hey, I matter of fact, let me I'm, highlight I'm, this before you even start. <laughs> let me highlight this before you even start, because you 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 made you made me recognize something that I, I want to say to everybody. Because one of our most listened to shows was from a couple of like all uh, back in October when we did the show on the Byron Allen Supreme Court case. This is the brother that is partly responsible for why that case is in. The Supreme Court. Uh, I know you probably didn't call to share that, but the fact that I know it, I'm going to highlight the fact that you didn't call in and said it. And and I, I'll give a quick backdrop so you won't have to go down that path because I know you didn't call for that. But basically, this brother wrote a letter saying, "Hey, I want to take these networks and get them on these larger carriers 
Byron Allen took a liking to that letter and said, hey, this ain't just happening to me. It's happening to others out there. Maybe we should do something about it. So that's a small starting point, point, and I'm glad to highlight the fact that this, that this brother didn't call my show. So I appreciate you, Roy. Go ahead, King. I'm sorry. To, you know, if, I, if I stole your theme, I had to put that out there, brother, because I, I think when you first shared it with, you, with me, I don't think I properly let you understand I, I needed to acknowledge the fact that you were that guy. So I'm now sharing it with my whole audience. Thanks a lot for calling in, King. What you got for us? Hey, no problem, man. Well, you know, bro, we, I've been, you know, like I tell you, I'm, I may not be able to call in all the time or listen to some, you know, I'm listening a lot, but not not able to call in. This happens to be one of those Saturdays that I'm I'm actually not I doing it. Yeah, you know me working hard. I'm with broadcasting. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, just, to, just to, to kind of circle back to something you just said about that really quick, because it ties into what you were saying. I caught the tail. I, I, I didn't get all of Jay's stuff, but I've been listening since Jay was on. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, you of course, you know, I do a lot of stuff with them down at, um, at 640. Yep, I've been down there for the funny thing is, ironically, when I was in the, in the, in the theater, I was the one that was taking someone that's a friend of Jay's around, showing them the space. And when I was showing them the space wow. that they were in, she picked up the phone and called Jay. Was like, "Dude, you need to get down here. I found a spot for you." <laughs> wow. So we got to go back to the first thing that Jay said is about sharing information. Those are the right. two points that I want to jump on based on what you said. That was the first one. We can't be afraid to let those of us who look like us make something else. You know, I don't care. I tell people all the time. I say, listen. I don't, if Jay make a meal, great. Jay makes a meal. I'm glad because Jay made a meal. Even if it's something I turned him on, it doesn't matter to me because I know who Jay is as a person. I know he's going to reach back and even if he don't pull me, he's going to pull somebody. And, you know, it's not going to be just you know one he's somebody. Doing he's going to pull he's doing other it. people. You exactly. He's doing it. Exactly. Whenever somebody asks me about a venue, I got three venues that I, that I, that I, that I light up right off the top, and they're all black-owned venues. And I say, y'all go check these people out. They're doing their thing. They're getting it going. The other thing was something that you just mentioned about the whole process piece of it and the length of what they did over in Japan and how they how they took the time to do something. Let me tell you something funny about that letter. I wrote that letter to Byron Allen 23 years ago. Wow. I never knew he saw it because mm-hmm. I, I never got a response from it. I wrote that letter. Dude, until, he mentioned it the on house. A, until he mentioned it on the Breakfast Club. That oh, was the first time you he, knew Here's the funny thing. I don't even listen to the breakfast okay. club. I'm sitting at my table working. My brother calls me from Miami. He's like, dude, Byron Allen is talking about you on the radio. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, and I'm going to listen to the clip. And I'm sitting up, right, exactly. That was my exact response. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. So I'm not even listening to the breakfast club. My brother calls me. I'm getting calls from, at later day, I'm getting calls from people from across the Dude. They was talking about your company on the radio. I'm like, wow, okay. So it, it just blew me away that we have things like that. And I tell people, I said, the funny, the most ironic piece to that, though, is that that situation that I went through with the Comcast higher-ups, and mind you, I started with the local Comcast affiliate in, in Tallahassee at the time, and I went all the way up to the Nationals. I was dealing with the top dogs in Comcast. I wasn't talking to wow. just regular folks. And okay. what that did, Montoya, that's what pushed me to the Internet. That was, right. the, that was the situation that pushed me to say, you know what, we can do this broadcast. Because, you know, at the time, like I said, I was actually a radio DJ. I was I was working for a right. radio station 
at the time. So I was in the industry. I had been in television for years. Um, and that, and that's the thing. So now I'm going to circle back around. Now we got that. Uh, I appreciate that shout out on that. But, um, you know, I want to circle back around to, like you talked about, the, the thing about the cooperative economics, and it's it's really those two. Let me do this, brother. We're up against a break. We're up against a break. break. I'm going to keep you okay. on. I got and you. it's funny that you say it drove you to the Internet because I got Brother Eldridge on the line. I got McQueen, Tamika Peoples on the line. And I got to just throw this out because it's so, it's so funny how things, as you say, come full circle. So when you say that situation drove you to the Internet, the Brother Eldridge, I've always loved this quote. He was like the – I'm probably about to mess it up. He'll correct me when I get him on. But the um, – but it basically, he always says the, the internet the internet is disrespectful. It's the great equalizer for all of those who have been locked out of business. It gave us opportunities to play in the game they didn't want us to play in. So, so I, 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 I know for a fact you have become an expert at how to navigate and broadcast via online. That's why I keep you in my back pocket for anybody that ever wants to bring the Mental Dialogue talk show live live in the, on the air. This is the brother that helped me do it. So if y'all if y'all like what we're doing and you got a business that want to be highlighted you know, via a, a, a satellite spot, this is the brother that'll come with me and help me do that. Just to throw that out there. We all up against the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Well, all I ask is that you think. Let's see, I ain't as fast on the board like you are. Yeah, we on the break. Okay. All right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I can um you know and it's funny you said that hey, about Oh no, I can't do it on my show, brother. I can't do it on my show. Can't do it on my show. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes. And I love the message on it too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most, it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made zero dollars an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They see us always be. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like Welcome back to the Venture Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Money Motivation had an amazing Black Friday sale last night. Some of my listeners got some of the gears from every live experience, which is our end of year when it's December the 20th at Urban Grind, a black-owned coffee shop in the Midtown area of Atlanta. So if you are in Atlanta, please check us out for our end-of-the-year soapbox dialogue, smartest event in all of the city, Money Motivation, long-time supporter of what we do. They have the freshest gear in the game. I, I, I caught me some, a lot of stuff for a little bit of money, so you may have missed that sale, but they are worth checking out at moneymotivation.com. I got Brother Roy Evans on the line, who is a real broadcaster, trying to talk during, during my commercials, because on his show, he can, can talk during the commercials. <laughs> oh, my. I ain't quite up to that level yet, King, but I want to give you your final thought before I get to the other callers. Go ahead, King. My bad, my bad. Um, but no, nah, you, you know, good. Like, you, um, you, know you know what I'm saying? You, you used yeah. to real broadcasting. You feel me? Nah, go ahead, King. 
Um, so actually, really quick, one of the things you said the elder said is something that I realized, I mean, some 20, 22 years ago, man. I've been calling the, the Internet the great equalizer for that long um, because we it, it provides us the ability to do things on a level that we could not do from a technical standpoint uh, moving forward. But if, if we're gonna if we're gonna make cooperative economics work, there has to be a sustainable and realistic plan that people can lead into communities that is there for the benefit of the communities. Um, now, you know, we all have our different views on things, and and I've actually put together one of those plans that we talked about. I did it a few years ago when a friend of mine asked me after a series of a post that I did. Um, talking about what was going on in our culture. But another thing that was mentioned during the show that I've heard today and that people have to realize, the perception of who we are has been dictated to us for the past 50 years. And, I, you know, yeah. I can say 50 years because I'm talking about since 1970. You know, and, that, that mm-hmm. 19, and I use that as a tipping point, 1965 to 1970, because 65, of course, when we had the Civil Rights Act and stuff going on. But after that, they started dictating who we were as people. The images that we saw were dictated mm-hmm. in the mainstream media by other people. And so we've gotten to the point because those, those, these things are happening in pockets all over the place. Their Jay isn't the mm-hmm. only Jay out there. Him and the, the relationship that him and Tassili have aren't the only black people doing that. You know, we talk right. about Popeyes. Everybody's talking about Popeyes and how the lines were wrapped around the Popeyes building for a chicken sandwich. Dude, the slutty vegan still got lines wrapped around the building. Exactly. I just, but you know, again, we see full circle. Full circle. I just went two weeks ago for the first time and did a Facebook Live how I was outside in a line at 1 o'clock in the morning, well, 12 o'clock in the morning in the cold, and after I ate that thing, run. I'll go back and set in line again at one in the morning in the cold. That's how good it was. Yeah. No lie. Right. No lie. And so, so like you said, we doing that. that. I don't care what nobody yeah. tell you. We doing these things, exactly. man. I got to I gotta get to the other callers, man. But let me let you do this because it's only right. Uh, share with people how people can get with your broadcast. Again, you know, this is something, a dream you had 23 years ago that you're living out. So if you could just even share with people how they can hear what you're doing before I get to Eldridge and Tamika who are on the line as well. Okay, well, Rhea, real quick, so on social medias, you can follow us at MyJBN, the number one, or MyBCSN, the number one. Um, It's the Jericho Broadcast Networks, as well as the Black College Sports Network, so that's across all all the social medias. Uh, Our websites are MyJBN.com, and then MyBCSN.net. We've got some big things that we are going to be announcing over the course of next week. We're doing some uh, investor and fundraising things right now. We will be broadcasting live from the Celebration Bowl as part of that. We uh, we got picked up a partnership with ESPN, some stuff that we're doing. Of course, we are still nice. on our HBCU sports. That is our big – that is the core market of our thing with HBCUs. But um, just wanted to tell you, man, checking it out because, you know, this is – you know, this, the, the economic piece is something that we definitely are um, are, are, are pushing on to our people. But um, we – and we do. I'm going to be – I'm going to be around a little bit more, man, since football season is over and we're making some – we're doing some things different. They're basketball season – so we need to do something. I got multiple places. Even if we go down to 640 and do it this time, just like we did at Mangoes for you that time with that show with uh, 
But Dr. Yeah, Jerry, that, yeah, that's my most listened to show, brother. I mean, I don't know if I ever told you that, but my most listened to show is that one we did on mental health at Mangos that time together. So definitely look forward to connecting with you again. Glad to share what you do, if you will. Send me your links because a lot of right. people can't catch those links where we say I'm live on the air. So send me the links, and when I, I put you. the repost up, I'll put your links uh, with you as uh, with them as well. Thanks for calling in, King, again. Okay. I definitely appreciate your three cents uh, this morning. Let me go to Brother Eldridge. As we said, we were just talking about that, Brother. Uh, yeah. All right. Brother, made time for me this morning. Tamika Queen, I'm going to get to you. I'm going to let you close us out. I know you're loving what you're hearing out here, Queen. You always give profound thoughts. You're going to close us out. Unless somebody else wants to get in. Eldridge, what's up, King? Thanks a lot for getting up this morning and and, and, and getting in here with us. I heard you had a late night, but appreciate you for being with us. And, uh, you know, my, my group may remember you as the Spendify, brother. And, again, I know you're doing other things now, but, I'll, you know, and maybe in addition to that. But I, I like highlighting when I got Quality King calling into what we're doing. If, 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 if they've heard nothing else today, they've heard how we are connected and collected here in the ATL. Thanks a lot, King, for being with us. What you got for us? Man, good morning, brother. Uh, first of all, you know, you're the only dude that can get me up with my family in town, and we stay out to 530 in the morning. So I'm definitely hey, going to wear that with King. I'm going to wear that with, with pride, brother. I'm going to wear that with pride. <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad to know I'm the only one, and I'll take that. All right, King, appreciate you. Nah, man. So first of all, this is such an important topic. Thanks for bringing me on. Um, you know, the group economics, man, it's something – that we talk about a lot of times and what I don't want us to do is for it to become a redundant message. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because we hear it all the time mm-hmm. and then we don't, we, it's like, yeah, support black businesses, but what does that, what does that mean? To me, I think we mm-hmm. understand the first part of it, which is the consumer supporting the business owner. We get that. But most people think it stops there. When I say support mm-hmm. black business and I say cooperative, economics, I'm talking about the full circle of it. That business owner, once they receive the money from our community, them hiring people in our community, providing jobs, or even going to father, but actually giving to our charities and our causes, which ultimately give back to our people. So there's a full circle that has to go through it. And I got a couple of examples. Um, first example I'm going to use is the Davis Bozeman Law Firm. I think probably is one of the most conscious contributing uh, companies in Atlanta. Uh, definitely the largest civil rights law firm in uh, Georgia, in the state of Georgia. That You can't name one Afrocentric school that they're not a sponsor of. You can't name one rally, one march that they have not been in the middle of. You can't name one high-profile case, whether it's Brother Basil, who the city of Atlanta accused for burning down the bridge. Baby Boo Boo, who the police uh, raided the wrong house, threw a grenade in the baby mm-hmm. uh, cage, and said they weren't going to pay the bills. Like, you can't name one case that they haven't got behind, supported, and won. So, therefore, our job is to support them. How do you support a law firm? Instead of calling 411 Payne, Morgan & Morgan, call a black-owned attorney that you know that's going to give back to the black community. Uh, you can go uh, to another level like uh, Sister Cassandra at Urban Grind. The reason why I support her, I don't go to uh, Starbucks or any other coffee shops. Exactly. I know she's providing space for uh, people like yourself who are providing spaces for our community that we need. There's holding conversations that we need to go forward. So this group uh, economics, this uh, 
uh, cooperative economics, it, it is a full circle that we all have to participate in. And there's a, a quote that we say every week at the end of Black Man Lab is, I'm a link in this chain and it won't break with me. So you got to look at yourself as a link in this uh, economic chain. And it's like, am I breaking the chain when I could go eat here, but I choose to eat there? When I can go support us, but I choose to support them. So every day I look at my finances as an opportunity to participate in this beautiful circle of economic uh, economic increase in our community. Well said, King. Uh, I mean, highlighting, matter of fact, thank you for inviting me to Black Man Labs. Um, I got my first chance to go there just a couple of weeks ago. Um, blown away. I will be back. Um, I don't know if that's something you want to highlight because, again, I know you get behind a lot of initiatives, and I'm just thankful that, again, I, I woke you up after hanging out. You know, you, you, you really uh, get down with your family, so I know y'all had a good time, and I know how you like to get down. So if you was out to 530 and you on this line, I ain't going to keep you no, no much longer. But if there's anything you want to highlight, I will give you that opportunity as well because, again, I know you're behind a lot of initiatives. Go ahead, King. Appreciate you. No. Those are wonderful thoughts. I think what you said was very poignant. Go ahead, King. No, I appreciate you, man. Uh, one, I just want to highlight one, brothers like yourself, y'all, support Montoya, man. This is probably one of the most supportive, down with the community brothers I know. And one thing I respect him, and I got to learn from him, he really is open to hearing all sides of the story of our community. And, you know, everybody know me. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty hard-headed, and I go hard on my thoughts. <laughs> in my opinion. So I respect Montoya for being able to create a, a space where we all can come in with our different opinions. Uh, secondly, I want to highlight today, if you have time, from 2 to 7 at the uh, Freight Depot. Uh, Dr. I King will Holland be there, the King. Market. I will yes. be there. The Village Market I mean, ATL. I, I yes. highlight, I said at the beginning of the show, Mr. Dialogue Live Experience is the smartest event in the city, but the best most extravagant industry, in my opinion, is the Village Market ATL. I will be there today. Hope to see you as well, King. That's what we do. We highlight in others. That's how we become better, and I appreciate your thoughts of what you're saying in reference to supporting what I'm doing. I do that, try to create that space, because at the end of the day, I believe if we improve our critical thinking, we can save ourselves, if you will, versus regurgitating and continuing to just go down emotional Paths that don't lead to anything. If you think for yourself, right. you're going to find your own answers. So that's why I try to create that space and challenge hard headed brothers like yourself and myself because I'm a very opinionated too. So it's not that I'm not that way. It's part of the reason why I need it. I need to hear these ideas that are different than my own so that I can become better. And that's the idea. If I can improve the conversation inside your head, you become better. Therefore, the collective becomes better. That's what we're doing in Mental Dialogue. And I, I hope y'all listen to Brother Eldridge, who said, support what I'm doing. I'll, after this break, you will hear how to, how you can do that. Thanks a lot, King. Uh, we're going to go to a break and get to Tamika coming after the break. Appreciate you, King. That was excellent. All right, black man. Hold it down. All right. All right, King. We are up against our last break. So this break will be focused on mental dialogue. I hope all of you are listening closely. So whether you have a business or an individual, you too can support what we're doing, which I always call is the return of intelligent radio. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. 
My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. MentalDialogue.com, MentalDialogue.com, MentalDialogue.com. If you are a listener, go see what we are about. There's opportunities for you to become a supporter if you're outside of the Atlanta area. Highly encouraged for you to become a member if you're in Atlanta and participate in what we're doing here with the live event. We have exclusive parties for members only, a lot of opportunities. We have discount partnerships. With, mental, uh, with Money Motivation, for example, uh, and a couple of other companies as well. She prints it, uh, dot com. I know she's out vending at the previous event. So we, we have a community club. That's what we are. We're trying to create a virtual neighborhood nationwide. Brother Pianchi, who called in from St. Louis, he's helped plenty of our guests as well as some of our callers with some of his knowledge. So that's what we're here for every Saturday morning is we're trying to have these important needed conversations for our community. It's not just to talk. It's actually for you to hear ideas that you can, as I always say, knowledge never lets your mind rest and truth never lets your soul rest. Eventually when you get hit with a piece of information that's different than what you think or believe, eventually your mind's going to have to contend with it. A lot of times people think ignorance is not knowing. I, in turn, feel like ignorance is actually knowing and choosing to ignore that which you know. So when you get hit with these pieces of these seeds that you can take and grow with, you eventually your mind is going to have to contend with that new piece of information and sometimes you can choose to ignore it and it can, you know, lead to wherever that leads or you can take it and do something with it. So we're not, you know, I'm not here in a sense I enjoy what I do. I hope y'all in a sense have been entertained, but that is not the point of these conversations every Saturday morning. We are here to build and accomplish things like this system that I'm about to bring live on the air. If you are a new caller, you do need to press 1. So if you feel like you've been out there and getting ignored, all these callers are pushing 1 to let me know that they want to speak. I'm about to bring on one of our part-time co-hosts, but much more than that, (laughs) Tamika Peoples Queen. You know, I am always delighted to have you. She's up early and and the California, but she ain't up early for the, she she up working. That's what this queen do. She up working anyway. So I don't even have to ask her to get up because this sister is out working. So when it comes to collective economics, I already know she finna collect, she finna connect collective economics to work. That's what this queen does. Thank you so much, Queen, for calling morning, in this yeah, morning and being a part of this morning show. Because I've been trying to hold it down without one of my co-hosts. I didn't want to ask too much of y'all on the on in a sense the holiday weekend, and it's not that you know you you or I are bigger to holidays, but I definitely respect spending time with family. So with that said, Queen, thank you for calling in. What you got for us this morning? Glad Man. to have you on. I'm 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 honored to be on, my brother. Thank you for having me. Uh, sorry again for my delay. Just uh, a lot going on, but oh no delay. I don't look at it that way. You you got in here. That's all I asked. I just said give me <laughs> give me a little bit of time. I don't want you all two hours like I asked quite often. So you know what I mean. But I I had to set shows. Like right now in my mind, I'm thinking about Steve Harvey. Does I bring you out or does I bring you out? 
Queen, the floor is yours. Oh my goodness! You know, I, you know, to be quite honest, the brothers and and, and you have been t- touching on essentially everything that group group economics is all about, right? Opening doors for others, building institutions, building businesses, doing business together. I'm really on that institutional piece, right? And and breaking down structures and sharing that information. You know, mm-hmm. um, some of the things that I've discovered on, you know, certainly on just the nonprofit side and, and doing the community work and working collectively to, 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 to make a change, whether it be working with farmers and, and educating those, those team members and or <clears throat> building out STEM programs and bringing in national syndicates. You know, it's, it's very important, though, when you walk into that door, that you're linked to a whole community and you're bringing them with you. You're bringing them with you, <laughs> whether that be sharing the knowledge, which I heard a lot of the brothers speak about, um, helping them build up their businesses, whether it be that, and that most of the time is about connection. We cannot be afraid to do that. We have to start thinking connected and vertical. Um, one of the, the main things about what I, what I try to preach, at least on my business side, is, is the vertical integration. You know, we have restaurateurs, we have um, legal personnel and companies. Um, how are we then taking that back and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to only source for my black farmers, you know, who we know are dying on the vine and losing our land, right? Um, so it's just real important to stay connected, sharing the information, building institutions, and vertically grow together. Uh, we are all we got. We're all we got. And our spending power is a beast. Now, our institutional building power needs to be the next thing we start doing, whether it be in silence, because uh, some things you can't do in public. When, right. you're, when you're coming against giants, trust me, they're going to be looking out for that. So um, I'm just I, I'm honored to hear what everyone's talking about, and spending money with each other is great, but building community with, with each other is better. <laughs> No, absolutely. Uh, and, and so, yeah, when we say what about. does it really look like, no, absolutely. It includes all of those things. And I think just from time to time, we can get caught off in our silos or, as Brother Eldridge mentioned, the concept of even, you know, buying black, becoming redundant, you know, in a sense because we throw it out there sometimes haphazardly or don't think about it, as we just said, from a vertical integration standpoint. And as, you know, as all of the business owners keep highlighting the idea of sharing information, I even think about uh, this this one sister I follow, how she always talks about whatever my plug is, is your plug. All you got to do is ask. And one thing that, that unfortunately, that, that in trying to learn how to navigate the world, or America specifically, the U.S. specifically, one thing that, that to a certain extent that has happened to some of us, which has moved, moved us off of that cultural base of that willingness to share, again, I'm not blanketing our whole community, but we do see sometimes individuals take on ways that are outside of our culture, which would include being secretive with the information amongst our own, and that's actually the opposite of how we collectively build. So as I hear you point that out, you know, I want to kind of even just throw that out there that sometimes we we can get caught up in what I call American individualism to the extent that you're trying to, in a sense, build it in, in competition with the very person that if you build with, 
synergize with you. You could even be further along, like Brother Jay White mentioned, partnering with Silly here, a, a, you know, a local rush, restaurant himself instead of just being her competitor, if you will. And again, I'm not saying what I'm saying applies to everything, but it's definitely something that if we build culture, and, and I again, I mentioned the concept of family and what, what role it plays in creating those values, then we can, in a sense, put those values to where we are sharing of information. We are collectively coming together and buying bulk supply versus having to charge higher because we're buying as an individual and having our customers walk in the store and be like, well, I came to support, but your prices are so damn high. They're thinking it's your fault, not realizing that, you know, in a sense, the inability to buy bulk is why your stuff has to be priced higher, if you will, you know, while trying to be successful in business. All of it goes hand in hand, and a return to the things that you're talking about has to be the perspective to create long-term thought and value when it comes to collective economics. Any last thoughts, Queen? But thank you so much for being with us. I uh, definitely appreciate uh, what you have. I think I may have another caller I need to get to as well, so I'll give you one last no, thought no, and check please. on that caller. No, uh, please take the caller in. Thank you for having us all this morning, and I'm, I appreciate all the brothers who've been able to share their thoughts, and I know everyone's thoughts is actually action. Um, you know, uh, economics, uh, building community is action. So thank you, King, and uh, you guys have a blessed Absolutely. Let me highlight Tamika as a supporter, uh, one of our members uh, as well, way out in California. She is actually a full member of the Minnedalao Community Club. So I will tell everybody, be like Tamika. (laughs) 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 All right, Queen, thank you so much. Let me see if there's other callers trying to get in. Seven oh six last three nine five eight. Are you trying to get back in, or am I looking at the looking at the board wrong? All right, now nah, maybe they're not trying to get back in. All right, no problem. All right, well, we got a few minutes left. I've enjoyed trying to hold down this show without a co-host, if you will. But all of you that have been listening and called in, I appreciate y'all in a sense co-hosting with me, as I feel like to a certain extent, in my opinion, we've fully covered, at least in my opinion, what collective economics really looks like from a lot of perspectives. I will still continue, as I did with my Facebook Live that I mentioned earlier in the show, I will still continue to challenge, as Brother Munchie Evans pointed out, as Brother Roy pointed out, I will challenge the sensationalized concepts of the set of this idea that we don't do these things. Um, again, we, you know, I am privileged per se to be in the Atlanta area, which definitely gives more opportunity. If you're listening and not in the area where there are a lot of people who look like yourself, then I absolutely understand it's not always as easy to possibly accomplish, accomplish some of the things that we're talking about uh, where, where you may live. So I will even encourage you to consider from a legacy standpoint, uh, Maria Richards called to, in a sense, return back. We had the great migration of the early 1900s, but to consider getting back to communities if you've, in a sense, spread your wings. And, again, I'm not telling you what this will work for everybody, but just something to consider that if you, in fact, are about collective 
economics, if that's something that means to, something to you, or if you know, for the most part, a lot of our ancestors' history with collective economics was definitely a part of how they moved. If you're looking for a return to that and want to pass that on to your children, pass those values on, it becomes much easier to do that in communities that look like you. So if you're out there about where there's not a lot of you, please consider, as I would say, in a sense, returning home. And I'll say that just from a stateside perspective. Uh, you know, last week we were you know, talking about bridging gaps with the motherland. All of that's included. Bridging those gaps, or like Brother Pianchi say, establish a foundation here and then make that bridge across uh, and reach out to the motherland. Because as I always say, uh, even in us trying to build up collective economics and gain more wealth, in this country, it, it still can be quite difficult to compete for what I call old money, whereas you can make alliances with our brothers and sisters in the motherland and have, and have new opportunities that may not exist right here in the United States. So something to consider as we think of collective economics, building that relationship with our brothers and sisters in the motherland, in the Caribbean. These are the things that, I, in a sense, we have to open our minds up to teach to the next generation so that we do think collectively like some of the other groups we look at and think that they do and say that we don't where we can build that culturally too. I think it starts with family first, communities next, and then we move to the collective and we will see economic wealth come about if we take that approach. Thank y'all, all the callers for calling in. Thank you for our sponsors, Money Motivation Kids, Karate from B-Champs, as well as Square Business Entertainment. See y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.